If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And as ever, super delighted to be back with you on yet another sunny, sunny day. As I'm recording this, we are having a fabulous summer here in Ontario. It's just great. Lots of sunshine, warm, warm weather, very happy people in cottages. And for those of you who perhaps are tuning in for the first time, I run a rental management agency here in Ontario, Canada. And we have, I always say around 180 cottages because cottages come, they go, people sell, they buy, and our inventory changes quite rapidly. In fact, I will be going out tomorrow to view a new property on a local lake. Really looking forward to that. I'm going to go and do a photo shoot and a Matterport video. Uh, The Matterport is a, a 3D platform. So I go and take my tripod and the little Ricoh Theta camera, which sits on top the tripod. And then I spend a happy hour or so moving the tripod every minute or so as it takes a 360 picture. And then what we have at the end is this wonderful 3D video of the entire property. So people can go in to our website. They can click on a 3D video and they'll see what we call a dollhouse view, which is as if you were looking down on the open part of the property and you can see every bedroom and you you can see the each room's relation to another, which makes it really nice for people who are looking for a vacation, looking for a property to stay in, to see how the place all hangs together. They can decide which bedroom each person is going to have before their stay. And I love that idea because with traditional photography, it really is difficult to really assess where each room is in relation to another and in relation to the common areas. And I know from my own experience of staying in vacation rentals that quite often when you arrive, it's a little surprising because you weren't sure where each room was and and how people were going to uh, to choose their rooms and be comfortable. So we just love this 3D video. Every All our guests who see it just find it fantastic. And I know it's, you know, the, the technology is not that new, but not that many uh, companies and host owners are using it. So it, it sort of stands us out from much of our competition. So you can, uh, I'm going to put some information actually on the show notes about uh, Matterport and the Rico Theta. The Rico Theta is a little, it's a tiny, uh, I love gadgets. It's a tiny little 360 camera that sits on top of a very slim tripod really um, easy to use, very easy to carry around, and it just does create some great video. So I'll put the information on the show notes if you want a little bit more about that. So it's great to take on new properties, and we have done amazingly well this year. I think we've probably brought on maybe 35 so far this year, new properties, some of which we are still waiting to uh, to photograph. They're not quite ready. Many of them have uh, went up on site earlier in the year and have done extremely well. Some of them didn't go up until May-June time. By the time the owners had finished doing renovations and uh, decoration, etc., And we have struggled with some to actually get them rented. And this is so unusual for us. In years gone past, I've always been been able to say to a new owner, it really doesn't matter what time of year or how late rather in the spring that we list a cottage, providing it is priced competitively and it shows really, really well on the website, you should be able to rent all the weeks that you wish to rent during the summer. And that's because our summers have always been the same. There's always been huge demand 
and there's always been good supply, but not quite enough to meet that demand. And we've sat at around about 95% occupancy for July and August for the past 15 years or so until this year. And things have changed. A number of things have come into play, one of which was the very, very poor spring or late winter spring weather, which seems to have deterred people from booking this year. And I've been hearing this right across the board. It's not just our company, it's everybody else is experiencing this same thing. But we're also seeing something else. We're seeing a massive number of properties coming onto the rental market. Just looking at the amount of properties that we have taken in this year, 30, 35, I'm not quite sure of the number at the moment, but there's many more that came to us and asked the question because we don't win all the business. You know, there's a lot of very, very good rental agencies in Ontario and many of the owners will talk to several agencies. So if I added up all the inquiries about cottage rental that we've had from owners this year, it is probably in the region of maybe 60 plus. And that is just people that have come to us to ask the question. They're going to other companies and there are many, many more independent hosts that are doing it on their own. And unfortunately, we don't have numbers. We There's never been statistics out there to show how many properties are available in our cottage country regions. I would love to see that if we could look back five years ago and say how many properties were out there being rented and then look now, I think we would see a, a phenomenal increase. And what's happened, of course, is that Airbnb has made the whole concept of rental so much easier, so so much more accessible for new owners. And most of our owners, of course, come from Toronto. Many of them are millennials. They've been brought up in the Airbnb era. So as they buy a property, they're seeing rental and doing Airbnb as part of their investment strategy. But one thing that has changed then is that there is also a huge supply along with the demand. And the demand seems to have slightly dropped off this year, I think because of this weather issue. But what we're also seeing are a lot more reports of owners, general cottage owners who don't rent, complaining about rentals in their area. And through the spring, we were dealing with a number of councils, uh, municipalities, townships that were raising the issue of cottage rentals and how legal they were and what can they do to put restrictions upon them. And it's a bit like whack-a-mole. We might have four or five townships talking about regulations and legislation and people would go out and go to the town meetings and the council meetings and raise their objections to outright bans and they would be reasonable in their arguments about how important rentals are for the economy in our region in the summer. And as soon as we sort of tamped down some of those, then others would start coming up. And at one point, I think there were a dozen or more townships and municipalities fighting for some sort of regulation. And we had one just recently, only a, only a couple of months ago, owners in one small area received a notice from their council to say that within 30 days, there would be a town meeting at which time new legislation would be brought into place and rentals would be banned. That was it. No discussion. Nothing. This is what was going to happen. And it was a huge success for us as advocates for reasonable and fair legislation. As just before the town council meeting, about a week or two before, we received another email that said, due to the volume of mail and letters and email that they had received that they were postponing their decision and another council meeting would be would take place later in the summer after discussion and they were inviting well we hope they are going to be inviting interested parties to come along to a pre-meeting discussion to uh, to all of us bring our so they would be inviting interested parties to come along to a meeting prior to the main council 
meeting later in the summer to put forward our ideas and and actually to listen to both sides of the argument. So that's a major win for us and I will keep you keep you posted about that. Why I'm talking about this is that this different vibe that's going on and with cottage owners voicing their dismay, councils are listening and we now have to get out there and have our say. And over the years, we've worked with the, with Federation of Lake Associations to help their members promote responsible rental because, I, you know, if, if we can do that, if we can get owners and associations understanding that it's not simply a matter of posting a property for rental, there are other things that come into play about renting a property on a lake, which are very unique to us. You know, we have to educate guests that sound carries over the water much more than it does in any other environment. And we have to educate them about driving along cottage cottage roads. It's not the same as driving along the highway. So we know now that we've got to take this education, this message to many, many more owners. And I'm really delighted that the Ontario Cottage Rental Owners Association was formed. And, and this is now becoming a force in our area to present our case and to bring a common voice to the issue. And I spoke to, I mean, this, this, of course, this is not, this is not just us that's having this. This is happening all over the world and particularly across North America. You only have to Google short-term rental regulations and click news and it will come up with dozens of news reports from different small places around the U.S., where councils are discussing exactly the same thing as they're discussing here in rural Ontario. And you may remember I spoke to Megan McRae of the Nashville Short-Term Rental Association a while back, and she told us about the, the 30 lawsuits that were being filed just in Nashville alone. So this is a, a really wide issue. We all have to be part of it. We all have to know what's going on in our areas and take responsibility for what's going on and what we can bring to the table. So today's guest is David Krauss, and he's the co-founder of Noise Aware. He has been on the show before a while back, uh, and he is an advocate for reasonable data-driven short-term rental legislation. And David leads the Rent Responsibly Initiative and he's with me today to talk about the movement and what we can all do to get involved and to make a difference. So without further ado, let's move on over to my interview with David Krauss. So I am super delighted to have with me today David Krauss from Noise Aware. And as I just mentioned, the Renting Responsibly movement. So we're going to be talking about this whole issue of short-term rental advocacy and what's going on in the North America and across the world in terms of restrictions, regulations, legislation, all that sort of stuff that we are seeing in much greater um, numbers these days. So good morning, David. It's a pleasure to have you with me. It is my pleasure. I'm joining you here from Dallas, Texas. So this is an international conversation. Oh, I didn't realize you were in Dallas. Whereabouts? I'm in the oldest part of the oldest neighborhood. It's called uh, Historic Munger. Mm. And uh, I just went jogging on the oldest street uh, this morning and I just love it here. Oh, I, I haven't I haven't been there. We've Whenever we've come into Dallas, it's usually trailing an RV behind us and and I'm going somewhere. So I drop the RV, my husband, my dogs off at uh, Grapevine, which is a, there's a campground there, which is about five kilometers from Dallas Fort Worth. <laughs> so, yeah, nice. So well, I, so did I le- you know that, did you know Dallas was the, is the geographic center of North America? So I'm not surprised that you were traveling through or taking a, you know, fifth wheel or RV. It happens quite frequently. We're right in the middle of everything. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. But yes, I seem to, you know, yeah. we, we sort of choose that as the jump off point if I'm going somewhere and, and we've, got, uh, we've got the trailer behind us. So, uh, so yes, and uh, yeah, I, I really, well, I love that area around, um, around the Grapevine area. It's very, very nice. 
So we're going to talk today about renting responsibly because it's a huge topic now, given what's going on. And I just want you to, you to, and you've been on the show before, and I just want you to give us a, a quick um, recap on your background with short-term rentals. You, you, you host your own properties, am I right? Exactly right. And I, I'd be happy to jump in. I kind of have almost a three-part series now because I've been in the industry all of you know five or six years. So I've had multiple lifetimes. But yeah, I'm happy to jump in whenever. Yeah. Well, just uh, so, so how did you get started, Dave, in this industry? Sure. Well, like many of the listeners, I'm sure, and, and this is just a great phrase that goes round and round is you know, this accidental entrepreneur, rentalpreneur. Uh, that's my story too. Um, I had an opportunity to uh, choose to look for a guest or a, a sublet on Craigslist at one point, or I tried this you know, new Airbnb thing in, in 2012 and got a sense for that kind of cultural exchange or just the meeting travelers, almost importing tourism. And I just love that concept and, and ran at it as an entrepreneur. And fast forward to, I was in Boston, I moved to Dallas and set up you know, what I thought would be the first professional short-term rental operation in Dallas. And then a couple, you know, dozen guests later, somebody threw a massive party at my two-bedroom condo. And it was a weekend-long deal. And uh, we called it Mini Coachella. The neighbors were the angriest uh, people that have ever been angry at me in my life. <laughs> it, was t- it was quite terrifying. Um, I found out from a lawyer that, that I was in a lot of trouble and so that's what birthed noise aware uh, necessity being the mother of invention. I just said, I want to do this, but I need to know of noise nuisance issues immediately so I can resolve them. I was only two miles away when that happened. And that was kind of the beginning of noise aware. My co-founder, Andrew Schultz and I um, have now brought a couple products to market. Most recently, the indoor and now outdoor noise sensor. And we're, we're tackling that problem, which uh, led to a very robust conversation with our customers about how we can help them advocate for themselves in their city halls and in their HOAs and condo associations, which was about two years ago. And that's what started rentresponsibly.org now, which is kind of the third hat I wear um, as the leader of Rent Responsibly. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but this is very organic. One thing leads to another. And I just consider myself a short-term rental lifer at this point, ready to continue to bring what I can to the table and, and hopefully help unite people and get better outcomes for folks like me and you that you know, are basically giving our lives to this wonderful industry. And yes, and I think for, for many of us who've been in the industry quite a long time, we may have become complacent. We certainly did. We became really complacent over the last sort of 15, 20 years as we've been operating our rentals up here in Ontario. It's a very traditional market. We have, I don't know if you know this, we have 250,000 lakes here in Ontario. And we're actually home to 20% of the world's fresh water just in our wow. one, one province. So every every little area around here, about two hours north of Toronto, two hours east of Toronto, has just a gazillion lakes. You know, you just drive along the road and there's a lake on the right, there's a lake on the re- left. And every one of these is surrounded by cottages. Now, years ago, you know, nobody, a few people, smattering of people would rent out their properties. And it was all this, this very nice relationship with the guests and the, um, and the neighborhood because the guests would come back year after year to the same place. So they became part of the fabric of the community in the summer. And they'd arrive at their cottage and the neighbors would welcome them in. And it was all one huge, happy family in many, many places. And then in the last five years, the, the fabric of our cottage area has entirely changed. And, mm-hmm. and I do say entirely because, you know, all the, the, the traditional cottages, so many of them have now been raised to the ground and replaced by, by what one of my colleagues calls a drywall palace. And mm. these big houses have appeared and they've become in many cases, party homes. That's not mm. not to say that everywhere, but a lot of, well, let's say that, that people buying properties up here now have changed their investment strategy now. And, and instead of just buying for, as a second home, it's a 
rental investment and they're using that income to fund their renovations, their improvements, you know, usual stuff. But what we're finding is that they're they're not as careful about who they rent to and they're not having these constant repeats anymore. So that's a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a little bit of a share of what's going on up here. So mm. I wonder if you could tell us about what your renting responsibly movement actually is and, and how you actually got it rolling. Sure. Just for the listeners, uh, if you want to visit rentresponsibly.org, that is where our home base is right now. We're beginning to build it out further. But the origins of Rent Responsibly were in November 2016. Uh, my team and I, was probably three of us at that point, Christine, who I think you've met, um, and myself, uh, we jumped in an RV in Seattle and decided to stop at a lot of customers' homes and cities and city halls, actually, um, on our way from Seattle, where there was a home away event to the Airbnb open in Los Angeles. And so we had this kind of, you know, it's almost like a romantic sense of like driving down the West Coast and, and talking to people locally felt somewhat political, but it really was just to understand what people were going through. Like you said, you described what's going on on the ground. I don't really know what that's like, but if I showed up there, I'd probably understand a bit better. So Rent Responsibly really was born. It's called the Rent Responsibly Roadshow then. It was born out of these invitations we were getting from customers to come meet them and and meet their uh, elected officials just to talk about what what problems they have and, and frankly, what they're doing to solve them, our customers are doing to solve them. That, That was 2016. And since then, I've personally been involved in probably 20, 30, 40 local advocacy groups just saying, here, what can we do to help? And this was mostly where, uh, with noise aware, offering discounts, just trying to help people get noise data to give to their city because noise nuisance issues is usually the first thing that city council members bring up as their most frequently cited complaint from other mm-hmm. uh, constituents. And so it just kind of got organically brought into this conversation. That was then, this is now. What we're doing now is this concept of scalable local advocacy. So instead of going from city hall to city hall or or local uh, meetup group or advocacy group to advocacy group, we're trying to build a a digital platform for how people can better access resources that will help them advocate for themselves in their city hall. So it's it's kind of um, a, a newer approach to this idea of changing the conversation around what short-term rental uh, folks are doing to be responsible. And um, there's a couple more components which I can go into, but I'll, I'll tell you what really, you know, to sum it up, the goal is to build the largest advocacy or stakeholder network in the world for short-term rental folks and to change the narrative. The narrative we've been living with is Short-term rentals are generally driven by profit-oriented, um, sometimes out-of-state investors who, who don't really aren't a part of and don't care for the community. And that, that's just wrong. That is a wrong narrative. I've met too many people. I am one of those people who uh, does this locally. The money stays locally. I'm sending people to local, local coffee shops. For every short-term rental, there are four fractional jobs created. So I believe that short-term rentals is the uh, most powerful economic engine of our generation, and it needs to be harnessed and not hindered. And with bad legislation, you drive it underground or um, into an economy that is not able to be controlled. And so we're trying to explain these things to people who you know, are, are have to make decisions about how to uh, regulate and manage the issues. And, you know, I just think it's the next 10 years of my life and I'm I'm really excited to do it and to build this network and to help people advocate for themselves. I love this. I love this. It's something that's been a long time coming. And I think, you know, people have tried at it over the in in the past. You know, there was there was an effort from VRMA a a, a while back and it didn't seem it, it seemed promising. It didn't seem to come to much, but I just get feel that you've got the passion to, uh, to, to get this really moving forward. You mentioned noise as being one of mm-hmm. the big issues. And we know that, you know, in, in our area, it's outside noise that's, uh, that's a common cause of complaint. What other arguments? I mean, I, I know some of these arguments. I'd just like to hear them from you, the arguments that, uh, mm-hmm. that people are using against our industry. And how far can they be justified? 
Sure. So one thing I like to do just to reframe the question a little bit is, is take the argument out of this. These are the problems today and therefore we need to deal with them. I think there, for every problem, there is a solution that is evolving or, or being developed from within the short term rental industry. So I actually, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll go through a little arc here that helps explain the quote problems in a, almost an analog or an analogy that I have just found the most compelling. And it's really the Ford Model T. So in 1908, Henry Ford began producing the Ford Model T, the first mass production vehicle. He didn't invent cars or automobiles. He just found a way to build them uh, in a more efficient way and made them available. He said he wanted to make it so people who are building them can actually purchase them themselves and take it out of this, uh, you know, for the rich only category. And as soon as that happened, the world changed forever, but it took 70, 80 years to figure out how to reduce some of these issues. And so I'll just go run through this very quickly, and it might make sense as applied to short-term rentals. So in 1909, there were 200,000 cars on the, on the streets. Uh, again, 1908, Ford Model T, 1909, 200,000 cars. By 1917, there were 2 million vehicles on the streets in the United States. So that just meant 10x growth almost you know, overnight. For back then, seven years is basically overnight. And cities, governments, communities had no idea how to manage this because horses and buggies went five miles an hour, cars went 30, 40 miles an hour, and people didn't know you had to drive on one side of the street and slow down at intersections, drinking and driving laws didn't exist. Yet. All these, quote, problems, they were problems, really started to affect people. And the, the statistic that blew my mind was, 75% of vehicular injuries were for, for people not in the car. So you had this construct where all of a sudden this new technology is on the street and people are getting injured, but it's not even the people participating. It's not the direct participants. And that's when people started going crazy and people took to the streets, held up signs. They said, ABC, always be careful. That's your first like PSA. Now we have click it or ticket and all this stuff. But the first was people taking the streets. And I think in the arc of short-term rentals, we're kind of in that moment right now where people are in the streets, legislators are like, what the heck do we do? You know, they have no idea right now. And not, I shouldn't say they have no idea. They're trying their best, but it has to be a combination of three things that solves this. And it's first, it's advocacy. That means stakeholders like you and I making sure that our voices are heard, but also helping other stakeholders, make sure that their voices are heard. And that's all the way down to the cleaners and the coffee shop owners and, you know, all these ancillary businesses that are really, you know, developing and flourishing. And there's an entrepreneur in each one of them or many. And so that's, those are the voices we're trying to get out. The second is education. So in in the 1920s, they started making compulsory driver's education and then driver's tests. So right now we don't really have this baseline of education for how to manage or operate a short-term rental. I know the VRMA is developing um, certification program. I'm, I'm part of the VRMA uh, government relations subcommittee. So I'm very, uh, I promote that. I love that. And then lastly, so you, you have, sorry, I'm just going to go back to advocate. That's getting your voice asserted. Educate. That's baseline standards and making sure people are educated so they can do this correctly. And the last one, Heather, and this is what I'm here really talking about today, is celebrate. We don't celebrate our industry enough. The old narrative of this kind of amorphous, greedy person is just wrong. And the new narrative is people like you, me, and the 15 some odd people that work for Noiseware and the thousands of customers, these stories of people who have taken control of their lives or, or you know, start providing for their family or find that entrepreneurial spirit or all the wonderful things in this industry that haven't yet been celebrated. That's what we need to do. So uh, I'll just plug rent responsibly one more time. Rent responsibly, if you go to the website right now, we ask that you take a pledge and it's just to advocate. I promise to advocate for the industry. I promise to educate myself what's expected of me. And lastly, I promise to celebrate the wonderful things that this industry is doing for communities around the world. Once you take, once you click yes to that, it's, the website will ask you two questions. One is, why did you get started with short-term rentals? And why do you love the short-term rental industry? We've gotten, on a daily basis, Heather, I get the most unbelievable responses. People who had medical conditions or post-recession were going to lose their home. For you, I know you've, you've been long in the industry up, up there uh, 
in Ontario and you, you just so much passion for it. We want to take those stories and push them out and magnify them. And we're doing that with a lot of partners, including some of the platforms and VRMA and a lot of stuff that hasn't yet been kind of finalized yet, but that's what we're about. So when somebody asks me about problems, that's my answer is it took 70 years from 1925 to 1995 to reduce the risk of driving in a car 90%. And with rent responsibly, we aim to reduce the risk, quote unquote, or just the external negative impacts of short-term rentals by 90%. And I want to do it in five years. We just have to solve some of these things and the solutions are there. We just need to combine that advocacy, education, and start to celebrate our industry a little bit more. That was a great analogy. Um, that, that, that really works. I'm really interested in the education side of this because, you know, as, as, a, as a property manager, we educate our owners. The moment our, we, we have a new owner come on board, we educate them in the art of hospitality because many of them have no idea what this is about. Many come with the idea of wanting to make some more income. And my argument has always been from the very beginning, from, from 2000, well, yeah, 2002, when I first started running the property management company, that the first question, the first thing I would say to a new owner is the moment you enter this industry and you start exchanging your property for money, you've become a provider to the travel industry. You are mm-hmm. in the hospitality industry. And it still blows me away the amount of people I talk to who don't appreciate that. They don't quite understand and and some will say, well, this is why I'm using a property uh, a property management company because I don't want to be hospitable, <laughs> and and I you know we have we have to to juggle this or bal- make this balance between those who want to be hands off, which is absolutely fine, and and those who are who who simply just want to make the money and don't want to make any changes and don't care about the consequences. These are mostly the people that we turn away because regardless mm-hmm. of whether somebody's hands on or hands off. They still need to understand hospitality. Mm-hmm. Now, my concern is the, um, the, the, and you've got some stats, haven't you, on how this, this industry has grown? Because my concern yeah. is with, with this massive growth, how do we educate all these people? Well, I think there's, there's two ways to look at that. Number one is there are some people who just aren't long for the industry, and that's okay. That's not a problem. It, it's a problem if we don't figure out a way to either have them, you know, kind of turn the reins over to somebody who is on the ground and understands what needs to be done, or their property can be used differently. It's just there's a tremendous amount of responsibility when you're in hospitality, and it's not just for making sure you know your your electronic lock works and they can get in the door. So you have to think about the neighbors. You have to think about safety. You have to think about how you're going to create a, a great experience. Otherwise, the people next door or down the street or on the other side of town will be creating a great experience. And you just, you know, the economics of it all will, will help you figure out that you're not long for the industry. So that idea of evolution is, is what needs to happen. And, and the, there's a couple of frameworks for that. But, you know, I'll go back to the, the one statistic that, has blown my mind since the day I saw it. And it was at a conference. Somebody from Focus, right, was up there saying, this is the industry, or this is the industry in a nutshell over the last 10 years. And they put up a graph and it was, what is the percentage of American travelers that have stayed in a short-term rental in the previous year? And so in uh, 1910, in 2010, the number was 8 by 2015, it was 32%. It quadrupled in five years. The number is well over 50% now. And that idea that you went from 8% to over 50% in less than a decade of people on the traveler side, I mean, it's been the same growth all around. That is just a tremendous number of people that are now using this form of travel or providing it and we need to figure this stuff out quickly. I mean, the genie is so far out of the bottle that that's what, I, when somebody asks, what do you think about bands? That's all you need to point to. That means that people, you know, consumer demand drives everything. The reason the Ford Model T was successful is because once people tried the automobile, it was very hard for them to go back to horse and buggy. And it makes sense. It's just a more efficient, you know, over three nights, over three uh, guests, short-term rentals, under three nights, under three guests, hotel. It just, that is the line of delineation in the world right now. 
And we are, you know, as, as stewards of the industry, Heather, you and I, and many others who probably listen to this, need to take responsibility for these outcomes. So when you talk about responsibility, what responsibility does the guest have? Because this, this massive growth is bringing, as, as you just said, a huge amount of new travelers into this type of accommodation. And many of them, and we see this on the forums all the time, that they're, they're, they're coming in with different expectations and different ideas of what mm-hmm. this is all about. How do we go about educating them that, you know, they're not walking into a hotel and not so much that they they can't just call down to the front desk and have a a roll of toilet paper delivered, but how, Mm -hmm. how can we educate them into being responsible themselves to respect the neighbors and to respect the community? Because this appears to be where, where so many of these arguments are coming from. Totally. And that's a great question. It's not asked often enough. Because people just assume that your job as a short-term rental manager, host, owner, is to get people in the front door. And that's actually where your job starts in some ways. I mean, if you can't get somebody in the front door, you have, you're not doing anything. But let's say you get somebody in the front door. You know, there's, I've seen so many different wonderful ways that people have uh, engaged and educated each and every traveler. And there are very easy, scalable, low-lift, uh, light-lift ways to do that. Actually, let me turn it around. Heather, before a guest arrives at a property you manage, do you send them an email with rules or how to, where to park or do you send any information? Yes, we do. I mean, we, we use Touchday. So we send them a Touchday guide, which has all the information on the area. And we have some very specific information, which is cottage country etiquette. And this is, you know, yeah. and it says how this is how you should behave in these communities. And we say things like, don't be worried if, if, if a neighbor stops you on the road and asks who you are and where you're staying, yeah. because these communities are very close and they want to know who's around and about them. We definitely educate our guests. Absolutely. So that's, that's exactly the answer that I would have given. It. It's our responsibility to ensure that our guests know what the rules of the road are, so to speak. So, you know, back to the Ford Model T, you know, when... A, a new driver, 16 year, they get a permit first and then they get a driver's license and a driver's test. So there's some levels of checks and balances there to make sure that by the time somebody's doors are open on the short term rental side or they're behind the wheel in a car, that they kind of know what they're doing, at least to a baseline level. And so that I think goes to, you know, what are those baseline expectations of short term rental owners, hosts, and managers and simple things like, you should be hanging your house rules along with the Wi-Fi password on the wall. Why? Because that's the first thing everybody looks for is the Wi-Fi password. You, know, just, you don't have to do that, but that's a great place for it. Other things are a phone call when somebody checks in. Hey, I just want to make sure you got in. Okay. I wanted to remind you there are a couple you know, peculiarities or specifics to this house. You know, the neighbors really... You know, you're not allowed to park on the street might be one. Or we have bears that come. If you leave any food outside, make sure that your trash is disposed of properly. Or, you know, I I deal in the world of noise. So, you know, quiet hours are pretty much everywhere. But also, people don't really think, you know, on, on your lakes, right? Sound carries over the lake, right? So people might not know that if it's their first time there. And if you're communicating properly, you lead to better outcomes. And I'll, I'll give you one statistic. So uh, noise aware, we have just so much great data on this, but um, our average resolution time from a noise alert to a resolved uh, issue is 13.7 minutes. For many of our customers, like, or even take my own story, it took me 48 hours to even know that there was a party happening, right? Mm -hmm. So 13.7 versus 48 hours. I mean, that's the kind of rapid, rapid improvement that we need. And these things are solvable. I mean, it, you know, ultimately, I communicate to my guests that, hey, there are noise, there are quiet hours, there are fines and fees, but I don't want you to get there. I don't expect you to get there. I just also want you to know that there's a privacy safe noise monitoring system on site. It means if you're above a certain threshold in the quiet hours for too long, we will kindly remind you of the quiet hours. It's no big deal. And that we see that after that text message goes out, 13.7 minutes, noise is mm-hmm. totally back to normal. That's educate up front and then verify or have plans in place for when things uh, might not go according to plan. 
And, you know, that's where you start to talk to cities and they're like, great, if everybody was doing that, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we, we put out to all our owners to to help them to remind their guests. I mean, we'll we'll send out the guides beforehand, but but they need to do their bit themselves. And yeah, you, you mentioned noise carrying over a lake. We do tell our guests that don't go out on the dock and have a domestic at six o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock mm-hmm. at night, because everybody will be listening in. So you're encouraging people to go to the rentresponsibly.org website, and I'll make sure that there's a link to that put on the show notes. If there is no association in their area, do you provide information on, on how they can get one going? Because I know I've, I've heard this a lot from people in my area. You know, how do I start? Where, who, who do I contact to get going on this? Sure. So that's a great, great question. And I encourage, well, I'll take one step back. So you, you mentioned I'm encouraging people to go to rentresponsibly.org. So I'm. I hate using the word beg, but I. I think it's so important that we band together and start to use our collective intelligence to start to solve these. Well, not start to continue to more rapidly solve these problems. And so, if you're listening to this, do yourself, do us, do everybody a favor. Go to rentresponsibly.org. Put in your why, which is why did you get started and why do you love the industry. And we will be uh, taking, you know, contacting you if, if you'd like to have us help you tell your story in more of a, a journalistic fashion. Um, that is what we're doing. But behind that, we're building out other resources. So one of the resources we built is a top eight FAQ frequently asked questions about how to start a advocacy group. And uh, it was written mostly by Megan McRae, one of my heroes in the industry, who's uh, with Nastra in Nashville. And she's also um, a strong part of Event Responsibly. And so I will say this, instead of me enumerating each reason and how, that we're now building that asset online so everybody can have access to it. That's actually, you know, scalable advocacy. It's hard to do, but that's how we're going to do it. And then lastly... I don't think you need an advocacy group to advocate for yourself. So the first thing I tell people to do is, have you ever met anybody in City Hall, anybody who's close to you know the rooms where these rules are talked about and made? And it's not surprising. I've never been involved in any of this you know kind of advocacy stuff uh, until short term rental. So it's a first and a new thing for a lot of people, but it has to be done. So what? I encourage people to do is call your city hall and and find out who represents you and introduce yourself because your most powerful weapon in advocacy is your own story. Why? Because it's relatable. It's probably similar to to many other people's, which is you found the, the power and the freedom and the kind of liberation by doing this activity, whether it's full time or part time. And that is going to be news to the people making the rules. They might just assume that that old narrative of the people from out of state, yada, yada, are the people behind this industry, but it's not true. So those are the types of small steps. First and foremost, if you want more organizational help, feel free to email me as well. My email is david at rentresponsibly.org. Again, david at rentresponsibly.org. And the best thing and the easiest thing and the five-second thing that I encourage you to do is go to rentresponsibly.org and sign up because that is, uh, if we can get it, if we can get the groundswell grassroots that way, it is, you know, there will be a lot of resources and this will just be easier for everybody. That's great. And as I said, I'll, I'll put the, the, the link to that on the show notes. Also, I will put the link to the interview I did with Megan McRae, who, yeah, I agree, Dave, she's awesome. I'll put the, the <laughs> link to, uh, to that interview in there as well, because Megan was in that interview talking about what was happening in Nashville and how her group has had you know, such an impact on the way rentals are being looked at in Nashville. And it's, I know it's a real uphill struggle for them. But uh, it, it, they've really sort of created a blueprint for how organizations and advocacy groups should be run. And there are plenty of others. Uh, actually, if you go to vrolio.com, 
Um, that's V R O L I O dot com. Yeah, run by my friend uh, Erica Muller. There is a list of advocacy groups on there. You can also go and look at uh, di- different areas and see what sort of regulations and restrictions are in place. And they, mm-hmm. they, I know they're trying very, very hard to keep that up to date. So, um, Dave, uh, before hey, can oh, I can I say one last thing? Sure. Because uh, I'm I'm so fired up about rent responsibly. Sometimes I forget about noise aware. Well, I was just going to ask you about, we, about noise aware now. So. Oh, well, then why don't I save it for the very end? Well, well that, that, that's, go for it. yeah, that, that's about it, really, because I was, um, you know, we're, we're sort of um, coming up to the end anyway. And I wanted you to talk about noise aware, because as, as I mentioned, when we talked before I hit the record button, I was at VRMA last year and came and talked to the noise aware team. And I said at the time, mm-hmm. I said, you know, interior, you know, the, in, the internal noise monitors are one thing, but we really need something for the outside because that's where all mm-hmm. our noise issues take place. And they said, guess what? We have, have something. So, so I'd love mm-hmm. you to talk about what, uh, what NoiseAware is and, and how it, uh, it can be helpful in this, um, you know, in, in this whole issue. Sure. Well, I'll do the, the briefest uh, pitch, so to speak, here. So uh, NoiseAware is a privacy-safe noise monitoring system. Um, the original product was an indoor noise sensor, so it plugs into the wall, screws into the screw plate, flips onto the Wi-Fi. You set a threshold, and 24 by 7, we're taking just noise readings, kind of like your thermostat takes temperature readings. And if you have a threshold... Uh, that is exceeded for three to five minutes, you get an alert. And that way you can proactively manage uh, nuisance issues. We work with small, you know, people with one unit all the way up to thousands. So let us know if we can help you there. On the outdoor unit, we released that in December of this year. And uh, it's been a very important product in a lot of respects, but really for, like you said, uh, space homes with outdoor spaces where people tend to congregate. It kind of looks like a hockey puck. You um, just affix it to you know the ceiling of a gazebo or near a hot tub or wherever you typically have noise issues. And the sensor on the outside will, again, take periodic readings like a thermostat and send that number, which we call the noise risk score, to the indoor sensor, which sends it to our uh, dashboard. So you can re- view remotely the noise indoor and outdoor whenever you want, but more importantly, get notified if it's exceeding your preset threshold. And uh, the, the reasons people, frankly, love NoiseAware are that it helps people with peace of mind, neighbor relations, because neighbors really like to know that they're not on duty, so to speak, to report noise issues, and then uh, defending against false complaints. Oftentimes, there's misappropriated or misallocated complaints. And then obviously, if guests are too loud, you can help steer them away from getting themselves into trouble and getting you into trouble. That's my whole story. That's what happened to me. So that's how that works. But the thing I want to tie this together with is we've put together a discount code called rent responsibly go figure so all lowercase rent responsibly and if you put that in you'll get 20 percent off your hardware and then drum roll please maybe we can insert the drum roll you know sound in the in the podcast post-production uh but <laughs> the uh, you will also be contributing to the rent responsibly advocacy campaign because an additional 20 percent of the funds you you know, spend on noise aware on the hardware will go to rent responsibly directly, which will help us build things like, you know, top, top reasons to advocate for yourself or producing more stories about, you know, people who are really driving industries forward, et cetera, et cetera. So it all ties together, we hope. That's fantastic. Yes, all the information on Noise Aware will go on to the show notes and you can go to vacationrentalformula.com and go to podcasts and you'll see those show notes. And I, for one, I'm going to be um, promoting this out to all my owners, all 180 of them, and suggesting that this is the route that they go to enable them to monitor the noise, not just inside the property, but outside, which is something that, that impacts um, impacts our guests. And I just believe that being able to take that to some of these myriad councils and townships and municipalities that are all up in arms at the moment about rentals in our area. I think that's such a positive thing that we can take to say, look, this is what our owners are doing proactively. So, 
you know, thanks for creating this, Dave. I think it's a, it's a great product and I look forward to promoting it. Thank you so much. Uh, we, we're simpatico in how, how much we both care about, you know, really the people of this industry. And I, I think that extends beyond the owners and hosts because the travelers, the neighbors and everybody else. So I, I really, I appreciate what you've done. I've loved your podcast. I listened to it and I'm sure I'll see you in the conference circuit coming up. You absolutely will. I'll see you in New Orleans. Can't wait. Well, that was terrific. Thank you so much, Dave Kraus of Noise Aware for joining me and sharing your passion for rent responsibly. I probably don't need to put this on the show notes. We mentioned it in a lot, but I will. And so so just head on over there, click the link and go sign the pledge. Uh, I, I love this idea. It, it It's getting everybody really focused on this whole issue of advocacy and Dave's three points, advocacy, education and celebration. I love the idea of, you know, let's celebrate this industry. And in celebrating the industry, we will just really get the message out as to what it's about, how amazing it is. And the fact that just like the Ford Model T, it ain't going away. You know, vehicles were here to stay. And I believe that uh, our rental industry is also here to stay. But we are the pioneers in creating it so that it works for everyone, the hosts, the owners, the managers, the travellers and the communities. So that's it for another week. It's been an absolute pleasure being with you. I, for one, am off to take another look at Noise Aware and, and look at how I can really promote this to my homeowners in our rental management agency and get them thinking about how we can, you know, monitor noise. Not so much inside for us. It's not that hugely important. But outside, if I can get the outside noise down at properties because it is notified to us and we're able to call a guest and say, hey, you know, it's a bit noisy. Can you turn it down? Then I think we're making real headway into a situation where we can go to these townships and municipalities and and share how responsible we actually are. So, as I said, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a blast and I'll look forward very much to seeing you again. Well, seeing you, I'll look very, I look forward to talking with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. Oh,